This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning. A little later on, we're going to be meeting the new curator for Peace Gallery North, Florencia Ormeno. We'll chat about the new job and what she's most excited about coming up in about 15 or so minutes. But first, Canfor announced that they will permanently close the Chetwin Sawmill and Pellet Plant. Uh, They're going to do a bit of a wind down. It'll be all said and done uh, sometime in April. So to talk a bit about what that means for Chetwind and the forestry industry here in the Peace and beyond, we're joined now by Peace River South MLA and Shadow Minister for Forests, Mike Bernier. Mike, welcome back to Moose Talks. Oh, my pleasure for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your day. Uh, so just in general, I thought we'd talk about the closures uh, in general to start with, because, of course, we heard Prince George uh, has their uh, pulp mill closing, uh, the Canfor pulp mill. Um, of course, Houston's uh, mill is closing and uh, going to be retooled, so it'll be opening later with less jobs, I suppose. But Chetwin closing just in general for Canfor. What do you make of this situation and, and sort of what's happening in the forestry industry here in BC and the peace. Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious comment there is it's amazingly hard for a lot of these families who just got this news uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, when we look at the peace region uh, as a whole, I mean, we, we've seen some of the curtailments and downturn in Taylor. Uh, we've seen it now in Chetwin. I mean, it's right across uh, a lot of rural British Columbia, which is unfortunate to see. And, you know, the announcement we just had, now for Can4 in Chetwin. I think a lot of people, I was out there yesterday, uh, a lot of the families said, you know, they, they saw it coming. Uh, they were hoping it wasn't going to happen. Uh, then there was a lot of talk and a lot of blame put on the provincial government for not stepping in earlier to try to resolve the issues that the company's been talking about, which frankly is uh, access to timber supply. Uh, they've, they were saying that they, if they can't get trees, they can't stay open. And that's basically where things landed, unfortunately. So hard for a community, hard for the families, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't speak for Houston. I don't know much about them. I know Prince George is a very, you know, a much larger and diverse community. They have lots of different industry there. But Shetwind is a forestry town. Um, what yeah. kind of impact do you know that this is going to have on that community? Just from your time as their MLA, from speaking to the mayor of Chetwin, Alan Kutri, uh, devastating is the word that comes to mind when, when we talk about this, right? Well, I think we also need to think of, uh, you know, not just the 170 approximately jobs, uh, families supporting jobs that are being lost, but it's the impact to communities when this happens because, you know, somebody working at the mill uh, might have a spouse that's a nurse or a spouse that's a teacher. And if they're forced to move away, for if they, that's the decision, we're not just losing the workers, we're losing the family, we're losing other people who are a big part of our community. We might be losing hockey coaches. Uh, you know, like it, it, the fabric of the community uh, can really be changed, frankly, overnight when something like this happens. Uh, and that's, you know, talking to the mayor, that's a big concern. Uh, we saw that play out uh, 10, 15 years ago in Tumbler Ridge when the mills, sorry, the mines uh, originally shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess what I will say, though, is, you know, it's the peace region. Uh, people are passionate of the area. They're vibrant. 
uh, committed uh, in so many ways to their neighbors and the community. So I know we'll bounce back. Uh, I don't want to be doom and gloom, uh, but in the short term, it's we have to remember this is a huge impact to families. Mm-hmm. I know I've been uh, listening to and reading a lot about this over the past two days, um, and I don't remember where I heard it, but one interview was talking about how um, there will be some of, uh, essentially some of the work might be passed on to West Fraser, the other major logging company or, uh, uh, you know, uh, wood company in town. Um, It can't be that much. They won't be able to absorb everything, though, I suppose. Like, they might be able to rehire some people, but there's still going to be a lot of people looking for work once this is all said and done, eh? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, looking at the announcement and talking with people very quickly on this, it's not that a lot of people can move to West Fraser, mm-hmm. but what can happen is now instead of two companies competing for the, the timber that's out there, the limited timber that they're allowed to access now, uh, now we'll have one company. So Canfor, thankfully, has committed that uh, the logs that they have and part of their existing tenure will be shared uh, in the region to help West Fraser and others hopefully uh, not have to go into curtailment or, and at least help them uh, with a better business case to stay open. So uh, less of that competition uh, and hopefully that will at least uh, help West Fraser in the long run because the last thing we want to see is another uh, mill shut down in the region. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about that uh, in in a second. Um the announcement uh, that came, I think it was uh, late last week from the government, kind of about the new provincial guidelines on uh, forestry as part of sort of their uh, um, commitments to Treaty 8 and and what that's going to look like going forward. This happens a week later, or less than a week later, actually. How much do you think that played a part in Canfor saying it might just be time to get out of Chetwin because things aren't going to get better for us? Yeah, I I think it's just been um, a continual nails in the coffin for the sector. I don't want to say that uh, the announcement last week with government and Blueberry was the final straw for Canfor. I don't think that would be fair. I mm-hmm. would assume that this decision has been coming uh, for a while from their board of directors. But what it what what I'm hearing with the announcement last week and the continual uh, announcements that we've been seeing around the province, around the forestry sector, is the lack of certainty. Mm-hmm. You know, cut and dry. That that's the main issue that these companies uh, have been sharing with me. Is if you can't get to timber, if you can't get permits, uh, you can't keep the mill open, and that's just the blunt reality of of the economics of these mills. And, and I think we really need to think about that because the Peace Region, uh, we always talk about being the breadbasket for the province, the resources that we're so fortunate to have up here. But if we can't come to an agreement, if we cannot find a, a path to actually uh, get to those resources in, in a sustainable and, and uh, responsible way, uh, then we're going to see more downturns in our resource sector. So, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm, I want to be cautiously optimistic, but I'm also concerned that uh, in the short term, you know, we're going to be seeing more jobs lost until we can find that right path. Uh, one more kind of doom and gloom question, I suppose we can call it. How concerned are you uh, that the ripple effect could have, could hit Dawson Creek, Taylor, uh, Fort St. John, all have uh, big stakes in the lumber industry with Canfor uh, here in the piece? Is that something you've spoken to Canfor about? Is that something you're concerned about going forward with the lack of certainty, as they say, that th- it might be us next, essentially? Yeah, yeah, I think one of the big things I'm hearing is 
and people are reminding me again, it's it's not just about uh, can for uh, those hundred and seventy-ish jobs that are lost. It's it's the the people that support the industry. It's the truck drivers. It's the loggers. It's the skidder operators. Uh, it, you know, it's the people working on the land base supporting. Uh, these forestry operations as well. So, you know, they say that it could be three to four uh, jobs affected for every one that's lost at a mill mm-hmm. because of that downturn. So we have to think of those economics for our communities as well. Um, you know, anytime we see a, a large number of jobs lost, that, that ripple effect, you know, can can really hit all the communities in the Peace region. Um, you know, frankly, we we know this. We're all tied together up here in the Peace region. Uh, so when one community is hit hard, it, it does affect us all. Uh, but, you know, we're resilient. Hopefully that means that we'll all support each other as well to get through this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about, uh, if not the positive, at least the ways the government is looking to mitigate some of this, or had said they were going to help mitigate. They announced that $50 million uh, essentially fund uh, to help out workers and companies kind of essentially change tax in a way, as I understand it. Uh, Houston, for example, their mill is closing, but it's going to be retooled uh, to work on, I suppose, value-added products instead. And I think the government had said a larger tack that they're taking is, can we focus less on the exports of raw logs and more on manufacturing wood products here in BC as well? What do you think of that tact? Do you think that's enough to to maybe rescue this industry that's honestly been in decline for some time now. Yeah, and, and I'm smirking because this is where, unfortunately, I'm going to get a little political. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NDP have sat on their hands for the last six years. We've heard nothing from them as the forestry sector has been struggling. Uh, we've seen decline. Uh, we've seen multiple, multiple mills shut down and people losing their jobs. Uh, John Horgan, the former Premier said that no mills or jobs would be lost under the NDP. Uh, he made that comment, and then they stood back and just watched it happen. Uh, these announcements, frankly, that we've seen uh, over the last week or two, uh, most people are calling Band-Aids on an arterial bleed. I mean, it's to be blunt, it's, it's nothing. Uh, it's too little, too late. Uh, companies are already making their decisions. And so when I've spoken with a lot of the major players, the West Frasers, the Canfors, the... Uh, those kind of groups, Sinclairs, et cetera, all they're saying is we don't need bailouts. We don't need government money. We need government to get out of the way and actually help us by making sure we have permits, making sure that we have access to uh, affordable timber, and then we can do what businesses do and we can we can employ people and try to move forward uh, in, in the province. But what we're seeing right now is huge cost pressures, um, increased carbon tax, employer's health tax, increased uh, corporate taxes, no deal on the softwood lumber. So it's one thing after another uh, in British Columbia where these companies are saying it's cheaper and easier to invest in Alberta and the United States right now than British Columbia. So unfortunately, a doom and gloom comment will be, I think 2023 is going to be a very, very hard year on the forestry sector uh, because these announcements the government's making, I'm hearing, will do absolutely nothing for the bottom line to help these companies stay open in BC. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how that plays out, unfortunately. All right. Well, we've got about one minute left here, uh, Micah. Just last question for you. Then how do you and the BC Liberals or upcoming BC United, as you're uh, slated to be named uh, soon, I suppose, yeah. um, what do you suggest instead then? Can you? Is there a way to better balance 
being sustainable and being you know cognizant of climate change but also i suppose increasing the annual allowable cut so that companies have access to more fiber as canfor has said was one of the mitigating factors that they had to do these closures well i think the big thing is we need to be working with uh, the people on the ground the people in this sector uh, i'm hearing that a lot of these companies have been frankly ignored they've reached out to government for help uh, on getting permits and some some cases not even getting an answer back uh, we can't operate that way so we need to be looking again at those cost pressures uh, that these companies are are facing why british columbia is not an affordable place to invest or we're going to have more jobs lost so you know we're seeing that play out and unfortunately our communities and our families are going to be paying the price for this so uh, you know, I'm going to, as, as a brand new critic, my job will be to learn as much as I can, get on the ground, figure out where a lot of these uh, pressure points are, and then continually push government to try to fix them. All right, Mike. Well, we really appreciate your time uh, you made for us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And we wish all the families, obviously, the best in these difficult times. Absolutely. That's Mike Bernier, Thanks. the uh, Peace River South MLA and the Shadow Minister for Forests with the BC Liberal Party. We'll be right back to talk to the new curator of the Peace Gallery North right after this. Welcome back to the show. Now, the Peace Gallery North has a brand new curator, and uh, we're meeting her for the first time today on the show. You're going to be seeing lots from her in the coming uh, days, weeks, months. Uh, we're glad to be joined on Moose Talks this morning by Florencia Ormeno. Florencia, welcome to Moose Talks, and I guess welcome to Fort St. John. Thank you very much. Oh, I apologize. I turned the wrong microphone on. <laughs> now, now we should be able to hear you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for making time for us today. I thought we'd start with you uh, telling us a bit about yourself and, and your background and, and kind of how you ca- came to uh, be here in Fort St. John. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to talk just about the gallery, but okay. <laughs> yes, we, we I... want to know you as well, Florencia. <laughs> I came here, uh, it's been eight months already, Okay, a little bit more, with my husband. Mm-hmm. He's studying and working here, so that's why we're here. I see, okay. And I actually studied architecture, university. Mm-hmm. I majored in like art and architecture so i wanted something related to it and i was participating in open studio mm. on wednesdays I see. at the gallery and i became very close to the last gallery coordinator yeah jacqueline and now i'm taking over her work <laughs> since she left and it's been very fun awesome i really like it yeah uh, what kind of, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of like artwork were, were you doing then uh, kind of in the opening studio? What's kind of your favorite medium? If oh, you have? okay. So I'm more like an uh, interdisciplinary oh, artist, okay. but I tend to do more prints, like mm-hmm. linocots, that kind of stuff. And lately I've been doing alcohol ink as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, you've been here eight months, as you say, um, obviously in that time, then through Open Studio and other avenues, mm-hmm. I imagine you've you've met a lot of artists and seen a lot of work uh, from mm-hmm. around here. What, what's kind of your general read of of the yard in Fort St. John? Was it surprising to you that there there seems to be so many inspired people here who are inspired to create? Yes, I was really surprised because there's so many young artists as well that are getting to be known more now Mm -hmm. there's a lot of artists that have been in the 
piece like the gallery and in the culture center for over 20 years as well so it's something that it's growing and it keeps growing mm -hmm. and we have this gallery there's one in Dawson Creek so and it's full of art we have so many artists mm -hmm. it's incredible yeah yeah I know when I I'm a musician and when I moved to the oh. piece I was real I, I was not expecting there there to be <laughs> so many artists here yeah. it was it was a beautiful surprise uh so you've taken on this job now uh, mm -hmm. like weeks into it i suppose if that it's hey. been a week yeah. and a half yeah <laughs> your brand spanking new at it what mm. to, what do you think you're most excited about uh, tackling as the curator of the peace gallery north what, what what's inspiring you to do this uh what inspiring me now it's more like First of all, keeping up with all of it, because <laughs> I have to do as well as the last curator. So she, she did a lot. Mm -hmm. And being like having her on the phone like this past week has helped a lot. Mm -hmm. But probably getting to know more the artists and doing more like publicity, mm -hmm. people to know them. Because no one, not everyone knows the gallery in Fort St. John. Not everyone goes. And it's a very open space, mm -hmm. as like the public library, the cultural center in general, the theater. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you're, you would like to reach out to more mm -hmm. people to say, hey, if you're an uh, artist, if you paint, if you do all these things in your spare time, if mm -hmm. you don't, if you know nothing about art, or come see us, talk to, to us. if you just want to support local yeah. artists, yeah. Yeah, you want to reach out to, to everybody who's mm -hmm. here, whether they, they're new to art or they happen to be veterans, I suppose, eh? Yeah, 100%. It's a very, very calm space. Mm -hmm. It's big enough for everyone, and it's open Monday, like, no, Tuesday to Saturday from mm -hmm. 11 to 5. So I invite everyone to go, pop by, maybe get a birthday car. We have everything in there. Or maybe just see the exhibit. Mm-hmm. Now you do have uh, uh <clears throat> I've written down here an exhibit. I don't know if that's the right uh -huh. term for this, but something new yeah. coming up on the third, so next Friday that's opening. Uh tell us a bit about that. So okay, so first we have this is last week for the exhibit of January and now oh. I'm taking over. So the February exhibit is it starts on February third mm -hmm. until February twenty fifth. It's the open reception, it's on Friday. Friday, February 3rd, from 7.30 to 8.30. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the new exhibit is inspired by Elaine Brewer-White. She's a clay artist, and it's presented by the North Peace Potter's Guild. Oh, okay. Yeah. And as you know, the North Peace Potter's Guild operates the pottery studio here in Fort St. John. Mm -hmm. So they're very well known and they do an amazing job. So I'm very excited to see what they bring in. I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. And every mem like not all the members of the North Peace Potter's Guild are going to be featured at the exhibition. But I know they're bringing their teen and children classes, like a few projects of them as well. Oh, okay. So we're going to have everything. It's going to be very, very exciting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you know, is there a theme involved in it? Or is it just kind of an open, like, what you're working on, whatever inspires you? We, wanna, we want everybody to see your work. Yeah. Okay. So the title is Inspired by 
Elaine Burwine. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did say that. I see. Yeah. Can so, you tell us a bit mm, about Elaine? Like uh, what that inspiration kind of derives mm -hmm. from, if you can? Yeah, yeah. So she does like a mixture of a sculpture, functional and decorative uh, pottery. See. Okay. So you can see stuff like the, the basic stuff like you see all the time. Mm -hmm. But most is like... A sculptor. I see. Okay. I haven't seen all of the work, okay. but I know they're gonna impress us. Excellent. For sure. Yes. Okay. I uh, in the sign in the poster with it. There's a few pictures of it, so you have a peek. Okay. And then you said Friday the third, mm -hmm. uh, seven thirty to eight thirty is the opening reception. Yeah, everyone okay. can go. Mm -hmm. And I know the North Peace Potter Scale are going to be there. Their families all the time. I I'm going to invite everyone as well. So. Even you, you can go. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, you said if you can't make the Friday night, it's going to be on display mm -hmm. till the end of the month in February. Month. So yes, perfect. 100%. Excellent. All right, Florency. Well, you uh, said that you just wanted to make sure you uh, said a couple things. So if I missed anything, now's your chance. Okay. Uh, did I get, did we get cover everything? I think I think we cover everything. Okay, but I just want to invite everyone because in February we have the upcoming chocolate festival. Oh yes. We have a few paint nights, so just come by and have a look at the exhibit. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Florencia, I really appreciate you coming by today, and it was nice to meet you. Thanks nice for being here. Nice to meet here. you, too. <laughs> You're very welcome. At uh, Florencia Ormeno, the new curator of Peace Gallery North. Our thanks to our guests, Mike Bernier and Florencia Ormeno, for joining us today. Well, as it turns out, last week was our 100th episode of Moose Talk, so I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and watching for the past two and a bit years. We've talked to a lot of different people from around the piece and BC over that time, and we appreciate you taking the time to hear what they've had to say, and we appreciate all of them for coming by and giving their very valuable time to us. Here's to another 100 episodes, which you can always hear the previous ones again over at energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. That's our show for this week. Jordan Prentice produced Moose Talks this time around. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.